Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Safo Kwame Ohenebe, and on today's episode of the Sulia Podcast, we are going to talk about the kings of England. Pep Guardiola's Manchester City have had their tight grip on the English Premier League. People say he has turned it into a farmer's league. People say it is his kingdom. He runs the show right now. People say he's better than the great Sir Alex Ferguson. We are going to discuss all of that. Manchester City retains the English Premier League, their fifth English Premier League trophy in six years. We all thought Arsenal was going to do everyone that fever and step up to the challenge. But it seems they are just not there quite yet. Finally, on today's episode, I would like to talk about something that I think that has been on my heart for quite some time. And it's about this whole Vinicius Jr. thing and people saying Vinicius Jr. needs to get his act together. It's time we call racism for what it is. My name is Safo Kwame Oheneba and welcome to another episode of the Sulia Podcast. Are you ready? Hey, think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. off with the english premier league i think first of all you need to give credit where credit is due i think city has done an incredible job over the season and note this season city have not been on their best this is one of the most lax perform performance of city as for question being as to whether other teams fell off or city were just good i think the more answer would be Liverpool fell off because if there was a team that were going to challenge City or a team which has proven to be quite the challenger when it comes to Manchester City for quite a number of years, that team has been Liverpool. And Liverpool just dropped. And it shows you the golfing class and quality between Manchester City and the kind of class Liverpool had. And that's the thing about Liverpool, and that's what makes Manchester City or Pep Guardiola's Manchester City for quite some time better than Liverpool. They keep the consistency consistency on for six seasons. I mean, Liverpool have been consistent for three or four, but there have been two bad seasons. These people do not have like off days at all, and that's what makes it better. But then another big question that I have been asking myself throughout this whole campaign is: one thing Pep has done has shown us that I think Pep could have still won this Premier League without Ellen Haaland, and. That is the beauty about what Pep is doing. Because truth is, he won the the the, the league this season with Ellen Haaland scoring over 30 something goals, 34 plus goals, if I stand to be corrected. He won last season with a striker, Gabriel Jesus scoring just eight goals. And then the goal was shared amongst everyone. So it's not like it's something he cannot do. He can do it. And one beautiful thing about City's team this season is the quality in improvement. So you see. There has been this whole argument going and this whole debate going around about city spends, city spends. I totally agree. I think when it comes to England, one of the big, biggest spenders we have is City. There's no doubt about it. I think City, apart from Chelsea this season, I don't. I think City is the biggest spender. But the question is, 
it's never about spending because Chelsea has shown us that you can have the money and you can spend and you can waste it as compared to the kind of spending City did. City bought Akanji. Akanji, Akanji at Dortmund was not that great. I keep on emphasizing he was good. He had a promise, but he was not that great. He was partnering Matt Hummels and they were shipping in goals. Dortmund's defense was not that great and they had Akanji. That, that kind of purchase went under the radar. I don't think anyone saw it coming. So the question is, the players per bot, is it that nobody can buy those players at all? Manchester United can buy Akanji. They, they opted for Lisandro Martinez, which worked, which worked well for them. You get it. They bought Akanji. A big signing they made was Ellen Haaland. And you would understand that, that Ellen Haaland moved because the thing is, even if other teams wanted Ellen Haaland, the question was, would Ellen Haaland, Ellen Haaland like those other teams? And that was another big question that was not answered because, yes, you can have the money, but it's about how attractive your club is. I mean... United is in Tatis. Liverpool, you just don't know what to expect. Liverpool, as a matter of fact, bought who we thought was going to challenge Haaland or who we thought was going to be Haaland's challenge, and that's Darwin Nunes, who just disappeared under the radar because if it be easy, do make we see. And that's the thing about that purchase. Then another player they bought for was Julian Alvarez. Julian Alvarez's uh, sign-out cross was like, I think, 15, 15 million, which any other club in any other world or in the Premier League could buy him. Julian Alvarez can even be bought by Bournemouth because I'm saying Bournemouth because Bournemouth at a point in time were going to buy someone like Christopher Zaniolo. So it is about the purchases and after the purchases, what Pep does with those players because today I was listening to um, Gab Makoti and he was talking about some of the signings they did. Take away a player like Jack Grealish which they splashed a lot of money on fine conceded a player like Gundogan a player like Rodri a player like Bernardo Silva a player like Cancelo a, and even Cancelo was was ousted a player like Ruben Diaz all these players are potentials they are not necessarily big names so for example Chelsea um, Manchester United over the past seasons have made purchases like Paul Pogba didn't turn out great. They've made um, purchases. They've made purchases like um, Lisandro Martinez, Malasia, Casemiro, Varane. All of them have had a certain bit of impact. But the question has been whether those impacts are Premier League winning kind of impact. And that's the thing. It's not like Manchester United bought Cristiano Ronaldo. That should, so, so you see that should be that should be. You are buying Ronaldo not because you want to fight for top four, it's because you want to win the Premier League. They've had big for crying out loud, Manchester has bought Jaden Sancho. I even forgot. And I don't know if people would remember on the coming in of Jaden Sancho, the hype, the noise. Jaden Sancho was like teammates with Ellen Haaland. They were all terrorizing the the Bundesliga. But it hasn't worked out. So the question is: in as much as yes, I agree, Pep has been spending. I think. At the end of the day, it's about how efficient, how you can put those spending into great use and great because everyone is spending. The Premier League clubs have money this time, this time around. Everyone spends. It's about how you can translate the spending into utility. And I think Pep has done a very great job at it. And he's supposed to get his flowers. But the second question is Arsenal. How did they drop this? So, first thing is 
you need to give Arsenal their 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 flowers because I think I honestly believe they deserve to get their flowers. Arsenal deserves to get their flowers because a season ago they were they they they, they missed out on top four. Seasons and seasons back, it's been long since they even made top four. So for a club whose goal for a very long time, whose pre whose Jagaban, boss of bosses, Asen Wenger has said that top four at a point in time, clubs are going to realize how important top four is. You, you can see that it's ingrained in their DNA to want to make top four. For them, I don't think anyone saw this coming. And you see, that's the beauty about missing pieces. For example, Arsenal's missing piece all this while had been a player like Saliba and the impact he had on that team. A team like Newcastle today have secured Champions League football because I personally believe the missing piece in that Newcastle team was Bruno Grimarish. Prior to, and you see, you can, and Bruno Grimarish was on the market to be bought. Sven Botman was on the market to be bought. Newcastle has had one of the solid defensive records because of such players and such talent identification, which I feel other clubs are not making. A team like Chelsea is just not. It's just, it's like, I, see, I don't even want to make this podcast about Chelsea because it is not about Chelsea. Chelsea does not deserve to be even mentioned on today's podcast. They don't deserve a shout out. They don't deserve a hello and hey because that Manchester Manchester City's team B, and I'm not even going to team B, a, a team full of players who cannot even make, who are, who don't play the Champions League, who are called upon during Carabao Cup, have been able to beat a, a Chelsea's fact. See, See, I don't, I don't even want to talk about them. But then, that's basically the problem with these, these sites. Because I feel Chelsea's thing is, oh, there's this hot new shiny thing in Ukraine. Ha, go, buy. In as much as the player might not be might not be fully developed, the player might need time. Because look at a player like Jack Grealish. I always say this. When Jack Grealish was in Aston Villa, the kind of football Jack Grealish played, Jack Grealish was playing the, um, let me give it, for, for want of better word, he was playing the kind of Kudus kind of football. He was just... The Obroni Kudus. That's basically what Jack Grealish was doing with Aston Villa. He held on to the ball too much. Every play had to come through him. So, look at Jack Grealish's transformation when he came to City. Go to a Pep was not playing him for quite some time. He went through the system, and this season Jack Grealish is just a different version of the Jack Grealish we all know. And that is not. And Jack Grealish is literally their most expensive player they bought uh, two seasons ago. And even he had to adapt and learn to the pep way. And I think that is the problem with most teams. When Chelsea bought um, Mudrik straight into the starting lineup, bought Felix straight into the starting lineup, it's like we always want to pick on the, the next shiny new thing. And I, and I feel that is the problem with these kind of teams. So in as much as I honestly believe Manchester City, Manchester City deserved it because they, they, they hunted down Arsenal, they showed composure. I feel so bad for Arsenal. The reason why I feel so bad for Arsenal is for the very longest time of the Premier League, they were on top. You see, we've had previous episodes where we've asked ourselves, are Arsenal going to choke? I've had Kobe Osam come on the podcast. I've had Kobe Osam come on the podcast. And the feeling was, Arsenal, you, you, could, you can't just choke this. We know there's a probability that you can choke this. And there's this whole excuse that, oh, they're young squad, they're young squad. But Charlie... Let's be very honest. Let's call it speed a speed. 
Yes, you're a young squad, but a young squad does not lose to Southampton at the Emirates, especially when you're being hunted down by Manchester City. I mean, we have all we had all made concessions that City was going to beat you home and away. So fine, you can do that. But then the games you needed to win, you should have won. And those were the games they threw away, which is West Ham, Southampton. And even in the West Ham game, yes, people like to go off on Thomas Party. That party missed the party was in responsible for the second goal but Bukayo Saka missed the penalty when needed so people I keep on getting these questions who do you blame for Arsenal Arsenal's um, choking and I keep on saying I think Ateta should take a little bit of the blame yes the players are young but then some of this moment you show up or you shut up because you never know when you are going to get the opportunity to challenge City I believe, I think one of the great things Arsenal can take out of this season is at least, finally, it is going to inspire a, a bit more investment in the team. Because for the longest of times and the longest of period, Arsenal were not getting the needed investment into that team. So finally, if this is what is going to get them that investment, because you are no longer a top four chasing team anymore. You are no longer... I don't think next season, Arsenal fans are going to say you are young. No, you've had a taste of how it is to go, um, to go boot to boot with the, this devilish machinery city side. That excuse you cut it out. So that is the good thing I see for Arsenal. In as much as they choke, I still think they've had the most incredible season. They've had the most consistent of lineups, and I thought that was what was going to work for them. It's just I got to a point when they you can't blame them that much when they lost. They because I always keep kept on saying that. Gabriel, we have seen him seasons before. Gabriel is not, is not it. He's not really it. He's okay. If he was it, he would be making it into the Brazilian national team, playing for Arsenal. He's not really it. That's why he doesn't even make the Brazilian national team. The thing, the question was this: Saliba, Saliba coming into the backline really complemented Gabriel. And when Saliba left and Holding came in, we saw Arsenal were not performing for a very long time. But the problem was not just. Um, with Saliba's injury. It is how, at the same period, Tomiyasu equally also got injured. Because it would have been simple, you know, things wouldn't have been hard because Ben White naturally is a central defender. So he could have easily sorted in and partnered with um, Gabriel. But the problem is Tomiyasu was also injured. So then Ben White had to play and then they bring in, um, 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 they had to bring in Holden. My problem with Arteta is, my problem with Arteta is I believed he should have had more of looked at his defensive outlet more. I think he was more fixated in imposing his style of play. And his style of play had a bit more of possession and attack-minded. And I think that was really to the detriment of his back ship, of his, of his defensive line. So if I was Arteta... And I, I was thinking of a way to modify my play. Maybe you could have a three-back system. Whereby, yes, you have attacking fullbacks. But then the fullbacks also cover up defensively. Because you watch some of the goals. Zinchenko, Zinchenko is uncomfortable in the positions and spots he loses. He loses some of the ball. So, if he was going to make a three-back, I think he could have had Kivio, Ben White... And Gabriel, yes, because I think if White is naturally your 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 best defender, to tighten the back line, 
you have to bring him back or he could have still done holding yeah we all know holding is not that great but then i still think at a three back system it's rather suits holding better because there's there are lots of people to help him out and i think against city that's how they should have played against city there were too many gaps too many spaces and city were having a field day so play for uh, holding kivio gabriel as your three backs then your wing backs being white Trippier or Zinchenko but depending on how you want to play because you want to be a little bit defensive minded you can play Trippier and then put in Zinchenko when you need the goals because Zinchenko always just like how we want we like to complain about trends I don't see the difference between him and Zinchenko and in your two midfield I think Pate did a lot of defensive work and because of that because the def- because there were just too many defensive burden on him people tend to easily blame him i honestly think yes he was running on poor form but then the whole team was just so poor you can't just single him out so have party have odigat or better still have a three play a three four two one your four will be white trippier uh, sorry white um tierney am i have i been calling tierney trippier all this well white tierney or white zinchenko Pate, then Jaka, then your two should be Martinelli. Marti, um, sorry, your two should be Odegaard, Saka, and play Martinelli up front. Because in as much as Gabriel Jesus came, I have this theory that I believe Gabriel Jesus just did well, but then Arsenal looked better when he was injured, and I think that's one thing that he became too much of a focal point. And I think the goals were coming. From all over, but when when he's a striker, one his xG is very low, missed a lot of chances, and I think he should have tried the system without him, and then seen how that could have gone for. Because it got to a point he was taking off party, and I think those were just panic moves he was making. But either so, this is just a theory I had on how Arsenal could have gone about the rest of the seasons. It's it's easier if you are the one making the analysis on the backside than being the coach. But then Atata made a statement yesterday that. The people who said they will be fifth or sixth are the same people who are saying they have not achieved or they have choked. But brother, truth be told, yes, no one expected you to be in this scenario. But when you're in this scenario and you have that gap on City, you don't throw it away and expect people not to tell you you have not bottled. My dear brethren, you have bottled. And it's been a very wonderful season. I think next season is going to be good because we get to see Eric Ten Hagen his progress on this Manchester United side. He's going to make a lot of sales. Liverpool has already started shipping, in their, shipping out their players. Chelsea might have Pochettino on the front line. Newcastle might invest more in, the, in their team. But the question is, people say, does this make the Premier League a Farmers League? I think that's a big no because it depends on your criteria of what a Farmers League is. At the basic grown-up level, Farmers League is a league that is not competitive. We all know who is going to win at the end of the season. It's not entertaining to watch. There's just there's just nothing that would propel anyone to watch. And that's what makes people a league a farmer's league. So in as much as Dortmund is challenging this season in the Bundesliga, for the past 9 to 10 years, it has been a typical farmer's league. Because Bayern Munich keeps on winning. For over 9, it's just like how the Italians here once upon a time was a farmer's league. Because Juventus won over 7 seasons straight in a row. I mean, Pep has done 5 out of 6. It's not 10. <laughs> it doesn't make it Farmers League. And even with Pep's 5 out of 6, out of 3 of them, 
out of three of them, he almost didn't win last season. It was down to the wire. Liverpool at a point had like 97 down to the wire even this season against Arsenal down to the wire entertaining stuff doesn't make it a farmers league it makes it it just shows you how good purpose La Liga I mean bro Barcelona won the La Liga and let's be very honest and that's what's going to bring me on to my next topic I think La Liga has just lost something and I would love to have my dear friend Bogo on my next um, on my next podcast because he's the La Liga enthusiast La Liga has just lost a little bit of oomph about it after the departure of Ronaldo and Messi. You just have to call it speed a speed. I mean, there are exciting new talents like Vinicius, Frankie de Jong, there is Pedro Gavi, but it's just, I mean, people still watch it, but you cannot compare it to the commercial viability, the entertainment. Even um, the La Liga complains about the power the English uh, Premier League have. And you see, I think it's all about tense times and seasons because once upon a time, the Italian Serie attracted all the biggest of players. It had the most entertaining league all over Europe. And it fizzled out. La Liga has enjoyed its time with the Messi, Ronaldo era, crazy stuff. And I think the Premier League is just coming into its own. But then things like racism is not what is going to help La Liga. And you know, the thing with this whole Vinicius Jr. issue is this. I go on I go I go on social media, Twitter, and I see people pass ridiculous statements like, oh, there are blacks in the Real Madrid team. Why are no why is nobody targeting those blacks but they are targeting Vinicius? That means Vinicius must be the problem. Earlier in the season, Vinicius was being racially abused for what? Dancing. I mean it's 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 it should tell you more than that if a player cannot even celebrate goal celebrations. Like dancing is it seems it's offensive. And nothing had been done about it. Like, even if something had been done about it, they were very tokenistic in nature. But secondly, the fact that they are black, it, 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 it is, this is the equivalent of, I can't be racist because I have black friends. That is what the equivalent of, oh, they are, but they are black people in my meeting. Why is nobody targeting them? One, it takes away from the issue at hand. It diminishes the intrinsic racist undertones and underpinnings of what is happening. Because the question is, was he called a mono or a tonto or whatever you called him? People still called him a monkey. So you call that racist statement out for what it is. You don't chip in it on Twitter and say, is he the only player? And we see Vinicius Jr. go out in the Champions League. He doesn't get agitated like he does in the Champions League. I mean, you trigger a person and then the expectation is, oh, get your act together. No, why don't you get your act together? And I'm so disappointed in blacks, blacks on Twitter defending racist acts and i think sometimes like my idol and hero malcolm x to see some people are just home niggas so simple as that house negroes because they do not even have the foresight to even see racism when it is right in front of them and i'm so happy um juliet bewa pulled out the eto eto video because this is not the Vinicius junior is not the first victim of racism in in spain at a, I clearly remember at a point in time when Eto scores, he has to hit the color of his skin to show how proud he, he is of, 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 of his original race. So this whole idea about Vinicius Jr. is not the first person, it's all balderdash and should be called out for what it is. And it's the same in Italy because in, in the Coppa Italia, Romelu Lukaku was rather the target. After he was, he was racially abused, he was the target for celebrating his trademark goal celebration like make it make sense i mean spain and italy are just playing game of thrones when it comes to racism and javier tebas 
as the president of La Liga too, is just not simply helping matters because it is more of I shift the blame to you, Vinicius, because you didn't come and sit down with La Liga. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, guys, this where this week's episode will come. Promise to bring you more captivating and entertaining episodes the rest of the month. There are so many topics that have to be discussed. I couldn't talk about in today's topic. There is this brewing debate about who is the goat of managers. Is it Alex Ferguson? Is it Pep Guardiola? Or is it if Jose Mourinho wins the Europa League? Can we successfully say Mourinho is the goat? Catch us live on the next episode and we'll bring you all that. My name is Safo Kwame Ohenba and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sulia Podcast.